My friends, imagine standing at a crossroads where every path seems shrouded in mystery and uncertainty. You feel the weight of choices, each path promising different outcomes and experiences. It's in such moments that the cry of our hearts echoes the plea of the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 133. Direct my steps by your word, and let no iniquity have dominion over me. This profound verse isn't just a request. It's an admission of our need for divine guidance in the maze of life. Now, if you believe that God can make a difference in your life today, let us stand together in faith. I will pray a fervent prayer with you in the mighty name of Jesus. So watch until the end and open your hearts to receive the blessings of this prayer. We live in a world where our steps can easily veer off into paths of distraction or danger. The choices we make, the roads we take, the relationships we nurture, and the values we hold dear all require wisdom that transcends our limited understanding. In the Bible, the notion of steps often symbolizes our life's journey. It reminds us that life is not static, but a series of movements and decisions. And in this journey, we are not alone. We have a guide who promises to lead us through his word. Reflect on your life for a moment. Think about the times you felt lost, unsure of which direction to take. Remember the moments of decision, big or small, that shaped the course of your journey. At times, the way ahead may have seemed clear, illuminated by the light of your understanding. But how often have we found ourselves at a dead end, or worse, on a perilous path, simply because we trusted in our wisdom? This is why our hearts echo the psalmist's prayer. Guide my steps. It's a prayer of humility, acknowledging that we don't have all the answers. It's a prayer of faith, trusting that God, who sees the end from the beginning, will guide us. It's a prayer of surrender, yielding our will and desires to his perfect plan. When we invite God to direct our steps, we are not giving up our freedom. Rather, we are exercising the highest form of freedom, choosing to walk in the light of his wisdom and love. Now, consider the second part of the verse and let no iniquity have dominion over me. This is crucial. Our journey is not just about finding the right path, but also about walking in righteousness. It's a recognition that our choices are not morally neutral. They can lead us either towards or away from the path of integrity and purity. Asking God to guide our steps is also a plea for him to protect us from the influence of sin and wrongdoing that can so easily entangle us. In our journey through life, there are many voices clamoring for our attention. Voices of society, culture, personal ambition, and even our desires. 
These voices can sometimes drown out the still, small voice of God leading us astray. But when we earnestly seek God's guidance, He promises to lead us. As Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6 reminds us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. This is a promise of divine direction and intervention. But how does God guide us? He guides us through His Word, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, as Psalm 119 verse 105 declares. He guides us through the inner prompting of the Holy Spirit, who speaks to our hearts and minds, guiding us into all truth as affirmed in John 16 verse 13. He also guides us through wise counsel from others, through circumstances, and through the peace that comes from making decisions aligned with His will. Embracing God's guidance requires us to let go of our desire to control every aspect of our lives. It means trusting that even when the path seems uncertain or challenging, God is working out His perfect plan for us. It's about believing that He knows what is best for us and is capable of leading us to our destiny. This trust doesn't come easy, but it's a journey worth embarking on. As we navigate through the complexities of life, let us remember that our steps are ordered by the Lord, as Psalm 37 verse 23 tells us. When we commit our way to the Lord, He will establish our steps. This doesn't mean we won't face challenges or make mistakes, but it does mean that we can rest in the assurance that God is with us every step of the way, guiding, correcting, and leading us towards His purpose for our lives. So, today, as we stand at the crossroads of life, let's make a conscious decision to ask God to guide our steps. Let's pray with sincerity and open our hearts to His leading and also be willing to follow wherever He guides. In doing so, we will find that our paths become clearer, our decisions wiser, and our lives more aligned with His perfect will. Now, to all those within the sound of my voice, let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. You may also listen to this prayer daily as you build your faith and come in agreement. Let us pray to our gracious and loving God. Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, I come before you with a heart full of praise. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who guides the stars and directs our steps. Your majesty and power are beyond our understanding, yet you care for us deeply. I thank you, Lord, for your unending love, your grace, and the countless blessings you bestow upon us each day. Your goodness and mercy follow us, and for this, I am eternally grateful. Thank you, Father, for the gift of life, for the air I breathe, and for the love I experience from you, 
and those around me. In this moment of prayer, I humbly ask for your forgiveness for my sins. Forgive me, Lord, for the times I have strayed from your path. As I seek your forgiveness, I also forgive those who have wronged me, releasing any bitterness and resentment in my heart. Cleanse me, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Lord, as I step into this new day, I pray for divine direction in all that I do. Guide my thoughts, decisions, and actions according to your will. Help me to recognize your voice leading me and grant me the wisdom to understand the plans you have for me. May your word be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, illuminating every step I take. Protect me, O oh God, from missteps that lead away from your will. I rebuke any plans of the enemy to cause confusion or to lead me astray. In the name of Jesus, I declare that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Shield me from harm and keep me on the path of righteousness so that I may walk in your truth and integrity. Lord, I pray for strength and courage, especially in times of trial and uncertainty. When challenges arise, remind me that you are my rock and fortress. I declare in the name of Jesus that I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. In every difficult situation, grant me the fortitude to endure and the faith to trust in your unfailing love and power. I ask for clarity of purpose, O Lord. Reveal to me the unique path you have set for my life. Let my actions and choices reflect the calling you have placed upon me. In the name of Jesus, I declare that my life is aligned with your divine purpose, and I am walking in the destiny you have ordained for me. Gracious Lord, teach me obedience and surrender as I seek to understand your will. Help me to submit my will to yours, knowing that your plans are higher than mine. In every decision, let me seek your face and follow your guidance. I bind any spirit of rebellion or pride in the name of Jesus, and I declare a heart that is receptive to your leading. Guide me in my relationships, Father. Bless my interactions with others and help me to build connections that honor you. I pray for wisdom in my dealings and for the ability to show your love and grace in all my relationships. I declare that my relationships are guided by your love and wisdom, bringing glory to your name. Grant me peace in decision-making, Lord. In moments of uncertainty, fill me with your tranquility, ensuring that my choices align with your will. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke any spirit of anxiety and confusion. I declare that in every decision, your peace reigns in my heart, guiding me to make choices that honor you. I pray for trust in your timing, Almighty God. Help me to be patient as I wait for your guidance, knowing that you make all things beautiful in your time. 
I rebuke any spirit of impatience or frustration in the name of Jesus. I declare that I will wait on you with faith and confidence, trusting in your perfect timing for every aspect of my life. Empower me with courage to follow your lead, Lord. Even when the path is unfamiliar or challenging, strengthen my resolve to walk in faith. I declare in the name of Jesus that I am fearless in pursuing the direction you have for me. I rebuke any spirit of fear or hesitation and claim boldness and confidence in following your call. I pray for my loved ones, Lord. May your blessings, guidance, and protection be upon them as well. Let them experience your love and grace in their lives. I declare that they too are walking in your divine purpose and are shielded by your mighty hand. Lord, as I say this prayer, together with everyone listening, I am grateful for every heart that is humbled before you right now. We come in agreement as we pray for each other, knowing that you are in our midst as you promised. We claim victory in your name, declare healing for those in need, and thank you for your protection and guidance. Together, we ask for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit to guide us and strengthen us in our daily walk with you. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering my prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, amen. If you were blessed by this prayer,
I truly prayed with him because these are the things that I desire in my life. I want a more stable life in God. Yeah. And he is able. Yeah. I want to do things his way. Yeah. Not my own. Yeah. Because today my life is not my own. My life is hid in Christ. And I'm thankful unto Almighty God for saving me, sanctifying me. He cleaned me up and set me aside unto himself. And then he filled me with his spirit. And so I'm grateful, grateful this morning. Appreciate him. Thankful unto him. I could never give nothing that could replace all that he has done for me. Welcome to Jesus in the Morning. I'm your host, Evangelist Barbara Pittman of Freedom Doors Ministries, and I come to you live each weekday mornings, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And today is February the 12th, 2024. It just looked like a few days ago I was celebrating New Year, and we are already two months and 12 days into this new year. And so, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for another Monday morning. Another week beginning, hallelujah, and we pray and trust God to bring us back to another week ending, hallelujah, for he's faithful. Today we want to talk about America. I want to talk about what is happening in America and what has happened to America. Where did we go wrong? I was looking and it talked about Woodstock. Uh, it talked about before mid-August in 1969, no one knew just how big the Woodstock Music Festival would become. It was organized by people who had originally just wanted to build a music studio in upstate New York Village. Let me see if they give me the rest of that. I don't think it will. But anyway, it, it grew. And to me, things got out of hand. Uh, there are 10 major social changes in 50 years since Woodstock, since this festival, 50 years later. And now we get to see all this stuff. Uh, we get to see religious attachments has warned. Uh, we get to see marijuana legalization has gained support. Look at this. Back before 1969, I want to say, we didn't see all of this stuff. We saw women dressing like ladies. We saw men dressing like men. Uh, anything that you was doing that a child shouldn't see, it was kept hidden. Uh, a lot of things wasn't brought in the open that was going on in it. In a lot of ways, it protected the children. And then in some ways, it hurt the children. Because parents wasn't teaching things at home. Uh, some parents was from that old, old era. And they didn't believe in teaching about the birds and the bees, is what they called it back in the day. What brought babies forth. Yeah, the things women go through. All this kind of stuff back in the day. This, this wasn't allowed out front. You got that at home. And if you didn't get it at home, uh, you had to wait until you became of age most times. Uh, somebody just 
happened to come along and you asked questions and that's how you knew things. But everything wasn't out in the open like it is now. Uh, they wasn't teaching sex education in school. That was the parent job. Uh, just a bunch of stuff. Yeah that we didn't know about. Today, interracial marriage has gained acceptance. Back in the day, that wasn't allowed. You went to jail if you was black and dealt with somebody uh, white. You was white and dealt with somebody black. You went to jail for that. Uh, Majority now think first trimester abortions should be legal. Back in that day, in that era, the late 50s, early 60s, that's when I come along, in the late 50s, 1957, uh, it was a rare occasion that you heard about abortion. Abortions? And nobody wanted to speak it out loud because really and truly you was considered a murderer because nothing was wrong with the baby. You just didn't want a baby, but you did what it take to get one. But once you got the baby, uh, it was your choice whether or not you keep it. And there were some people doing some things to abort children, and but it was on the hush-hush. Nobody talked about it out loud and all of these things. I made it known this is a building where you can come and kill a baby. No, that wasn't out in the public like that because that made you look real bad and no one wanted to associate with you. Well, another thing, I'll say this. Parents didn't allow their daughters to associate with you if you became pregnant, and now if you went on and had an abortion, no way, Jose, because they was afraid you was going to teach their daughters how to become pregnant. Yeah, and that's not what the parents was uh, teaching in their homes. Um, another thing, Americans have become willing to vote for a woman for president. Back in the day, you only heard about men uh putting out that they wanted to be president. A woman you didn't, that was a very rare thing if you heard something like that. Uh, Willing to vote for a black president has grown. That's because the country has become messed up. (laughs) Because if you look back, George Washington, Abe Lincoln, all these people, President Kennedy, President Johnson, these were white presidents, and it was nowhere in there said that no black president was coming. At one time, they were talking about Jesse Jackson, but we knew that was not going to come to the front. We knew better. So it's a willingness now that people want to vote for black presidents. Um, Americans now prefer smaller family size. See, back in the day, you had big families because they believe in God said multiply, be fruitful and multiply. So they had all of these children. I I know a lady had 27 children, uh, 16 children, 18 children. I'm talking about large families. And these people were not rich, but they worked the best they could and made it work. And took care of the children the best that they could. Yeah. So today they want smaller families. Uh, uh, 
for me, they want to do something different so that they most likely can have more. It says a number of political movements in the 1960s demand for reproductive rights, demands for women equality, and concerns about global population growth may have contributed to a decline in American presence, a preference for large families between the late 60s and the early 1970s, spanning Woodstock. Yeah. So, well, in 1967, fully seven to ten Americans said that having three or more children per family was ideal. And Gallup's next measure in 1971, the figure had dropped to 52%. And by 1977, it was at 36%. After bottoming out at 28% in later years, Americans' preference for large family has since increased to 41%, but it's still not at the level it was before. I can remember having children in 1977. Uh, by then, I think I had four, and people would look at me crazy. You have four children? Uh-huh. Went on to have a total of eight. And people was like, you have eight? You had eight biological babies. Yeah, I didn't adopt nobody. I didn't take nobody else's child. These are all children I had. But today, people uh, prefer a smaller family. A family of four is basically somewhat the norm. You have a son and a daughter and a mom and a daddy. That's what they're hoping for. Yeah. Premarital sex no longer is taboo. The expectation that couples wait until marriage to come. Y'all forgive me. Kamasi, their relationship may have been so entrenched in U.S. social norms that Gallup didn't poll on the issue until 1973. Even then, less than half of Americans, 43%, supported premarital sex, saying it was not wrong for people to have sex relations before marriage. Today, that figure is, it went from 43% to 71%. That's a high number. Premarital sex. They came out one time and this is what was said. Uh, It's better you try it out before you marry. Huh? Yeah, y'all live together and, 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 and do what husband and wife do and see if you can stay together. I thought that was straight up crazy. Yeah. I'm not going to let you use me. I'm no product in the store. You can try me, and if you don't like me, bring me back. I can't get back all I've given to you. Yeah. Homemaking, no longer women's preferred vocation. In 1974, five years after Woodstock, a majority of U.S. women, 60%, said in a poll conducted by the Roper Organization, that given a choice, they would rather stay at home and take care of the house and family than have a job outside the home. Rupa updates later that decades found women more evenly divided on the question. Three years ago, Gallup found a slight majority of women preferring to work outside the home. Yeah. It's just 
people don't want to do what God said is boring to them. What he said in his word to keep us safe is boring. And this is not what you want to do. Is what they're telling themselves. Uh, to stay home and be safe and not aggravate it and not get angry and get gray hair early. They prefer that than to stay home in a comfortable environment to take care of their own children where a child is not going to daycare, coming home with colds and diseases and fevers and all kind of stuff. You don't know what the daycare people doing to your child. But you prefer to go out in the street and be harassed and aggravated and, and all of this stuff. Told what to do. That's what you prefer over staying home, maintaining your own house. But see, some of this goes back to premarital sex. They had sex outside of marriage, no commitment, no contract with the husband. And they had babies, and they got to take care of these babies, so they have to go to work. See, people stop thinking, and people stop following what's right, what's morally right. They stop following that, and it's my thing. I do what I want to do. Today, other people telling people, oh, it's all right, honey. If that's what you feel like, go ahead and do it. You feel like orange and red hair, blue, green, and purple, do it. Tattoos all over you and you're a woman, go ahead and do it. It's your thing. No thought of God, no no respect for God, or, or nothing. Right from wrong, holy, uh-uh, holy. They don't believe nobody have that today. In many ways, the so-called churches, the fake churches have failed. The house of prayer is still standing and still standing for what's right, but nobody's coming to the house of prayer because it's boring to them. When I got all this entertainment over here in the fake church, the new wave, new age stuff going on, support for gay rights goes mainstream. Gallup has no measure of support for gay rights from the 1960s. The first measure was in 1977. People became curious. What is it that gay people do? What is it that? But since then, there has been a sea change in American views on the issue, no doubt reflecting an even greater change since the Woodstock era. The percentage of Americans saying gay or lesbian relations uh, between consent and the Dutch should be legal, has risen from 43% in 1977 to 73% today. Yeah. Bottom line, Woodstock wasn't so much a, a catalyst for change as a signal that it was coming. The Vietnam War, the women's and civil rights movement, the environmental movement, medical advances and birth control, and the pro-life uh, of household televisions are just some of the factors that contributed to social change in the 1960s. Woodstock was, however, uh, symptomatic of major societal changes underfoot. Now, I tell you, 50 years later, this is what has happened. But look, 
Today, did you know in politics, the church can't participate, no religious stuff, a ministry, a church, you can't participate in politics. You're not supposed to say nothing about nobody from the church who's running for president or any other office. Now, you yourself, take me for instance. If I want to go out and leave Jesus in the morning and Freedom Doors Ministry out of it, I can go out as Barbara Pittman and campaign and, 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 and do whatever for anyone I want to. But isn't that something to put the church out of business? <laughs> to put the church out of what God put in place. And the reason you did it, it turned to politics. It's no longer God's place. It's your place. It's your thing today. You can do what you want to do. So look. The day man must not trust in his own wisdom. And that's what's happening. The world has become wicked and wiser. And we, many, I won't say we, but many are trusting in their own wisdom. If you do it this way, this is going to be the outcome. But look at the outcome and what's going to happen in the future of the outcome you just presented. What's going to happen? When you look at the world, I, I was just reading uh, today. Listen, they're saying that the president can't remember nothing. His age, his mental capacity, uh, should he be able to run in this next election? He came back and said, yeah, there's nothing wrong with his memory. But they said it could prove that it was. He couldn't remember when his son died. He couldn't remember this. He couldn't remember that. And some places it says Biden must do more to stop flood of China baits from victimizing kids. There, there's a whole lot of stuff that we need to pay attention to more than foolishness. Now, I'm with the bait thing. Keep it out of here because children shouldn't do it. But you got evil people who will sell it to children. Children can go online and order it. Parents not paying attention, thinking they got some game or something with their birthday money when they got baits and they got other stuff coming through the mail. Yeah. All kind of stuff. Listen to this. I'm talking about the world. Congress president resigned after backlash for pardon in child sex abuse case. What? Greece posed to legalize same-sex marriage bucking orthodox tradition. This, this world news now. This is this, this not local. In Spain, two adopted teens arrested in Spain following mother's grisly murder. What's happening in America? What's happening in the world? All kinds of stuff that shouldn't be happening. But people decided, it's my thing. I am going to do whatever it is I want to do. Whatever come to my mind to do, this is what I'm doing. 
I don't care how it sounds, how it feels, and how it looks to others. This is what's happening for me. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. They talk about the social norm. It's no longer the same. Yeah. The American ways of life has changed. And see, people don't want to be left out. And people don't want other people to think, I'm not hip. I don't know what's going on. Well, I'm not. I'm not hip. I know what's going on because of the scripture. But I don't want to be part of foolishness. Yeah, that, that's just not what I want to do. So I looked at some other things. I went over. We're going to close out of this. I went over and I took a look over in Titus. Titus, the third chapter. And this is what Titus is talking about. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. Now, what I want you to pay attention to is the words, good work. Not the principalities and powers and obey the magistrates so much as be ready to every good work. To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. I will agree. I will agree before I came to God, I was a fool. Disobedient that I was, deceived, serving divers' lust and pledges living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Been there and done that. Been there and done that. It only changed when I came to God. I was even going to church. I served first Sunday breakfast. I served on the usher board. But song solos, but listen to this. I had a form of godliness. And I was denying the power thereof. I honored God with my lips, but my heart was far from it. Do you hear me this morning? For I was foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers of lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating others. Verse 4 of Titus chapter 3 says, But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, towards man appeared. Huh? It didn't come until I gave my life to him. Because I was in bondage to these things. I was in bondage to sin. I was in bondage to wrongdoing. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, towards man appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Wasn't by my works. It wasn't because I was over there cooking some breakfast, uh, being a good doorkeeper at the house of the Lord. It wasn't because of the work. It was his mercy that saved me. He washed all them curses away and renewed me with the Holy Ghost. 
6 says, which he shed on, his, on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. He shed it when he renewed us, the Holy Spirit. He shed it on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That being justified by grace, we should be more made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Being justified by grace. It told us his mercy saved us, and grace justifies us. Hallelujah. Verse 8 said, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain. Here we go again, good works. These things are good and profitable unto me. Good works. Do you have any good works today? Can you make a list of your good works? And see, this is what politicians should go back and take a look at. Good works. Every leadership in the world should go and take a look at this. And say good works is a good thing. Because them, the lies they're telling people they're going to do are good work for the people. Verse 9 says, listen, this is what verse 9 says now. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and striving about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is an headache after the first and second admonition, admonition, I'm sorry, reject. Knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinned, being condemned of himself. Listen. Avoid foolish questions. Avoid genealogy. Genealogy. <laughs> and contentious and striving about the law. For they are unprofitable, unprofitable and vain. So all this stuff you got out here, and I'm against this politician. This politician is against me. It should be this way. Are we representing the same country? What do you want for this country? I'm not talking about your personal thoughts. I'm talking about what will make the country better. What would give to the people, we giving good works, we doing good works, what will make the people better? They don't say let's go back to God. Let's go back and take a look at his word. They come up with some other stuff. Everything but God. Let's do it this way. Let's do it that way. And none of that is helping. Because after your outcome, what's going to happen then? Because something else is going to come up to combat that outcome you just gave. This is the solution. Well, you're going to need another solution uh, uh, to combat that solution because that solution is going to end. See, it's the mind of man. He's never satisfied. 
I'm raising my right hand right now. Look, God gave me a 2015. Nothing is wrong with it. What I want a 2024. Man is never satisfied. He gave me a house. Now what do I want? A log cabin. Man is never satisfied. But we got to go back to God because if we don't go back to God, America is doomed. All these years, look what God allowed. He let these people bring slaves to do whatever it was they wanted to do. To make money, to build the country, to this and that and the other. But nobody appreciates what God has done. It gets worse. Because the very intent of man's heart is evil. Now that's the scripture. That's not what Barbara just saying. That's what the word of God says. He comes from a sinful nature. He told Noah, I'm going to have to destroy man. I got to get rid of him, Noah. Man's heart is evil from his birth. The more I try to do to show man the right way to go to protect him and his family, he don't want to hear any of that, Noah. He don't want what's good. He don't want what's right. He want what's evil, what pleases his flesh, his natural, his nature. This is what he wants to please. One thing about it, what's going in the dark is coming to the light. I didn't like the fact of all this stuff coming out. <clears throat> it's all over the Internet. I didn't like all I didn't need to know all of that. Some way, somehow, somebody told me about it. Go look. I didn't want to go look. I didn't want to hear about all the negativity. I didn't want to hear about all the changes that has taken place in 50 years. I didn't want to hear about Woodstock. I, 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 I don't go to concerts. I've I, I never really been a big concert fan. I used to go to church programs where they have uh, different gospel groups singing, but I was never really a fan of concert. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, that that wasn't something <coughs> something I liked. Too many people for me. And see, I had a weird way of thinking. If something happened, how would I get out of all of this? All these people trampling over me and run me over and I'm dead. I ought to hear somebody saying something loud. Uh-uh. I just go and uh, buy the CD back during them days, buy the record, because cassettes hadn't even come out yet. So I'll go buy the 45 or the LP, the big album, <clears throat> and I could hear them right there. And it sounded better than the live shows to me because they had edited everything and made it fall into place and all of this. But Titus is telling us some stuff. In the book of Titus, it is helping us. Good works. Somebody say good works. Yeah. I had somebody to tell me, asking, why you do all of this stuff? 
These people don't care about you. They want to be around you because the way you make them feel. Well, hopefully the way I make them feel, they feel good. That's the work of the Lord. Good works. I didn't just get saved to sit down. I didn't come to God in the fullness for him to fill me with his spirit, and I sit down. I, I begin to look at what he did. He so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. That if we believe on him, we won't perish, but have everlasting life. But see, the way that man is, man says, give me, give me, give me, and give me. And I'm not giving nothing back. Oh, you said it was free? Okay, I'll take all I can get. But although it's free, a good heart and a person that wants to do good work should give back. Should give back. I was on what they call ABC. I think it was called a food stamps. Me and my children. I needed help. So I went and got me some government help, got government housing. But I volunteered many days as a way of giving back. Because just keep taking, keep taking, and not giving nothing back. There won't be anything there the next time you or a loved one may need it. Yeah. I still volunteer until this day. What I do is free. You don't hear nobody say, oh, well, I don't have the money, Sister Barbara, but I need prayer. You don't hear that. I don't have no food. You don't hear me say, well, I'm going to bring you $100 worth of groceries, and when you get the $100, give it back. You don't hear that. Good works. I got to get to Sister Jerry's today. Good work. People sick. They can't do nothing. And you somewhere, everybody, go do what you can. You you may not be in perfect health, but you can do something. Go do it. I look at it this way. I may be dead and gone, but somebody do something for my great-grands or my great-great-great-grands. Why? I did something for somebody when I was here. Good works, not politics, good works. And see, the government put it out the church because they knew what they were going to bring in. You see? And it should have been out the church. Especially, and you're not going to allow your campaign to be governed godly. You're not going to run the country according to the word of God. You're going to run the country according to your thoughts and what you think the people want. Don't give the people what they want. Give them what they need. It's what God does. He supply need. Give the people work so they can go to work. And stop sitting them in the project so that these women can bring these men in and the men live off the government for free. When he should be on a job working. Women going to work paying the taxes for men who won't work. It's, it's, it's crazy. Who think like that? Who want to do that like that? 
Recently, I've been getting a lot of reports on immigrants coming in, immigrants coming in the country, illegal. We're not saying they shouldn't come, but if you're going to come, come illegal where the, the, the leadership can have a record of you and what you stand for and what you're doing. People have lost loved ones because illegal legals have come in and murdered police officers. The one who's upholding the law come in and killed him. His family lost. And when I every time I hear Mr. Trump speak, I'm like, wow, it do remind me of somebody want to fix the country. Now people may get mad with me about that. But when I, a lot of things I hear this man say. It make me think he wants to fix America. And his son explained this to me. When my dad said make America great again, he wasn't talking about sending nobody back to Africa. Money is green. <laughs> he wasn't talking about going back to Africa. He wasn't talking about putting nobody in slavery. You ride on the back of the bus. They have black and white water fountains, black and white bathrooms. That's not what he was talking about, which I didn't mind that when I was a girl. Because if I go in the bathroom and there's a black lady, I felt comfortable. Because I knew my community, you know what I'm saying? But that's not what the man was talking about. What he was talking about, the way the son explained it to me, was that he was talking about if you want a car by American made car, buy your Chevrolet, buy your Ford. If you want to do produce growing in 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 Chicago, uh, uh, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Texas, uh, 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 wherever apples in New York, grow your own stuff, and stop sending getting stuff from overseas. Let us make our own money off our own product, and become responsible for our own self. We shouldn't owe no other country any money. We should be able to, if we're going to buy something, pay cash and come on out of that. But you let folks like Walmart, you know, do a, the man was not talking negative. He was talking positive. But ignorant people, they're they not going to get the gist. They're they not going to get the down low, uh, the down and dirty. They're not going to research nothing. They're going to hear what the media say, which is tricking us every day and lying and carrying on and making things worse than it is to sell paper and news. We're going to listen to these people and be messed up. They had all kind of stuff saying that this man was a part of. He didn't tell them to bring it out, but people went and showed uh videos where he had invited black people to his house for dinner. <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing because it tickled me. After dinner, he went in to talk about money. Money is green. Money is not black, brown, red, yellow. Money is green. And when he talked to people, he had certain meetings with certain people and all nationalities somewhat was that he wasn't talking about black and white. The man was talking about making money. 
So when I hear a lot of things he have to say, I be like, oh, this is the old America he talking about. He talking about that America I grew up in as a child. That's what he talking about. Where the neighborhood looked out for your children if you had to work. We no longer can leave our doors and windows open, keys in the car. We can't do that anymore. I don't know if we'll ever come back to that era. But he's somewhat talking about putting a man's word is his bond back in place. What you say is what you're going to do. When the sun broke it down for me, I understood it all. Now, you got some black folks hate him. You got some white people hate him. Other people hate him. Because of what he said, he, and he said what he meant, and he meant what he said. I believe that. I hear all these border issues, groves of illegal immigrants that's coming in. Because this man, Trump, Mr. Trump, had a, a thing in place to keep the illegals out. You want to come, come legally. And they said the first thing Mr. Biden was in there, he decided to take all of that down and just, and it's just running over with illegals. How would you feel if one of them killed your child? You can't track them. They're illegal. And then what with them coming in, they take your substance, what you done paid taxes for, and give it to themselves. And the people that you paid taxes for need it and can't get it. What in the world? What in the foolishness? What in to destroy America is going on? Yeah. We pay taxes so we can help those that are in dire straits. You pay taxes for retirement so when you get a certain age, you don't have to push the clock no more. You don't have to punch it. You don't have to sign the timesheet online no more. But if they take all of your money and give it to illegal people who did not come to this country legally, hmm, when it's your time to get paid, what, what? There's no retirement for you. And this is why I believe they were saying a while back, oh, by the time you turn 65, it won't be no retirement money. I'll save my own money. i get my money out of my 401k and save my money. So when I get old, I got some money. Whatever they were doing to get me where I am today, I'll match it every month myself. If I had to eat oatmeal and bacon for a month, so that I can save this money so that when I get old, I can live. Because who's taking my tax dollar is not saving it for me. They're giving my money to somebody else who never helped me to make a dime, never swept a floor for me, never came on the job and helped me with nothing. But all my tax dollars going to them. My tax dollars going to people who sit home and play video games every day. 
the children go to school and the mom and the dad at home playing around. More here to lick out a snake, as they say. <laughs> Won't work on a pie train. Just simply giving out pies. But taking your hard-earned tax dollars that you work for and just living off. Now, we have some circumstances. We have some disability people. And you know what? While you're giving all of this money to illegals, you have people that owe student loans. These are Americans. They're going to college to get a job to work and help build America. If you want to give the money away, give it to them. If you want to help your country, help your senior citizens. Don't talk about killing them and getting rid of them because you don't want it to stay straight. That's why you get rid of the older people. You don't want the country to stay straight. You want with this new wave, new age stuff that's messing up the lives of people. And 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 the, the, the babies, they don't know their lives are being messed up. They think this is the American way. And they always push the American dream. I had a dream that one day when I stand before God, I was going to hear him say, well done that good and faithful servant in into the house of the Lord. Yeah. We're going to one quick song and I will be right back. Hello. Yes. <laughs>
Hallelujah, hallelujah. That was live over at the Gaither Studio. Yeah, I like that. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Yes, so this morning we're talking about the things that's happening in America and what has happened to America. We left God. The American people, uh, the older people went out, new people come in, and uh, they wanted to change things, and they didn't want it no longer like it was. There's a lot went on even in Hollywood that we never knew about. I didn't need to know about it, if I'm honest with you. I was just fine. But once they told me stuff that had happened, I, I didn't like it, and I didn't want to hear it. And Why would you tell me this? I, that's not my business. So I just assumed it was for prayer. Pray for these people. Okay. That's what we do anyway. We pray for America and the leadership of America. We're not just praying for the president and the Congress and the senators and the uh, mayors and the city council people and all these parts that make up the government or make up, you know, the leadership. But we're praying for those that are in leadership, business owners, grocery store owners. Yeah, we're praying for the Hollywood, whoever's in charge, <laughs> Yeah, if it, God, if you're not in it, destroy it. Tear it up. Take it down. We don't want it. That's our prayer. But we don't, I, I, I don't want to hear about who's doing what to who. But Brad Pitts told me this. He said, hey, uh, you're going to get to see much more than this. We have the internet now. When he said that, I said, oh, boy, here it comes. Then the next time thing we know, we're hearing about this person, and then we're hearing about that person, and, and, and the cameras, and the this and that. It's supposed to keep us safe. Not that people are so nosy, although we all like to be entertained in some way. But many times, because we had these cameras, lives were saved. Uh, we found out who did uh, evil and that kind of thing uh, uh, because of cameras and stuff. But I'm good. Prayer will fix it every time. He said, pray without ceasing. Man ought to always pray and not faint. And I can pray for something and if God don't move, it doesn't mean it does not mean he didn't hear my prayer, nor that he didn't fable my prayer. But he's got perfect timing to fix it. Companies have did people really bad. I want you to hear me now. Good works, remember that? Companies have did employees really dirty. In a little while, you, if you notice and you stay up on it, the same supervisor or manager you had is no longer with the company. They did you bad. Someone sold me something and they didn't do me right. When I went back to the place where I bought this thing from, that person was no longer there. And it was scandalous, scandalous, I think that's what she said, what happened. See, prayer fixes it every time. But we in the new wave, new age stuff, and, and like a lot of preachers have said, we like that microwave thing. We like it quick, instant, right now. 
Some things God make us wait for because we need to. He said to watch as well as pray. But we want to pray at 5 o'clock and God do it by a minute after 5. He don't move like that. He knows what's best for us. We have to have patience to wait on him. He said that again this morning that patience have a perfect work that you may be entire and want nothing. Now, that's the word. Anybody believe the word of God? Anybody standing on the sure foundation, the word of Almighty God? See, a lot of times we want to get caught up in the stuff because we want to be celebrities. We want to be connected to celebrities, uh, celebrities in the church, and uh, they pay big tithes and offerings. No, 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 I don't need that. I, I, I don't need that. If I had two people giving me $90 a month to keep Jesus in the morning going, I think I'm good. 180 oh, I'm good. And if that's not the case, God opened another door out of my own pocket. I'll go to the mailbox. It's unexpected blessings flowing. He take care of what is his. What belongs to him, God take care of it. That's how I know the church out of ten belongs to God. He take care of it. And no thousands of people over there running, paying no tithes and offerings. When the church needs windows or doors, so nobody's running over there putting that in for them. Well, for us, we have to come together out of our pocket and make it work. Bishop prayed, God make it happen. <laughs> That's how that thing goes. And I like small churches because I don't like foolishness. I don't like nonsense. I want to know who you are. I want to be able to come by your house. I remember the bishop had a goddaughter, Teresa, and we were the cheerleaders over there yelling and screaming, bishop up preaching. So on the internet, we got together, and she and I could talk and this and that. But you got to understand, sometimes church folks are not obeying God, too. And when you find this out, you, you have to move on past them. Yeah, you got to go. Because you, you don't want to be with foolishness. I'm, I can't be with that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I cannot be with nonsense. Verse 9 says, but avoid foolish questions and generosities and contentions and striving about the law. For they are unprofitable and vain. I'm not going to follow with you if you would just plain straight foolishness, nothing about politics. If you're not talking about the goodness of the Lord and you're not trying to reach somebody and make their life better and be a blessing, I, I, I don't have time. I'm busy. I really don't want to just sit around and gossip with you about people. You tell me something, I want to pray for them. I heard another lady telling uh, another lady we was all in the band together. She said one thing about that old Barbara Mack. <laughs> if she talk about you, she going to help you. I said, well, who did you hear me talking about? She said, I wasn't talking to you. I said, oh, okay. He said, when I'm talking to you, that's when you get in the conversation. You're not in there. So the other lady said, no, no, she's not saying you ever talked about nobody like that or nothing. 
But just if you did, you if you knew about them, you helped them in some way. Yeah, they was calling the woman old dragon foot. Because she wore the flip-flops and those something, you know. And she wasn't going to get no feet done. That woman didn't have no money for all of that. So some days, you know, her feet dry and cracked. She kept right on going to do whatever it is she wanted to do. And a bunch of folks had something to say. Well, when I found out, I went over there and I asked. I said, hey, you want to go get your feet done? She said, I would, but I don't have the money. I said, well, I do. Come on. She said, for real? Yeah, come on. She said, I'm going to ride in your truck. I said, yeah. You think somebody else was going to come and get you and take you? <laughs> Y'all know I can be crazy. Act crazy, brother. So I got in the truck and we went on and got her feet done and everything. And she said, well, why you ain't getting your feet done? I said, I don't want mine done. I do mine at home. Why? I said, I just do them at home. I like to pamper myself some Saturday morning. Yeah, put a scrub on my face and different things. And I leave that alone. Got them feet done and we went on. I didn't go back and report it. She went back and told everybody, oh, she came over here, took me to get my feet done. Oh, they feel so much better that even the cracks, the people shave the cracks out of them. They file it. You know how they buff it and all that. Mm-hmm. But look at all of this we have in America. All the open doors and the ways made and the food on the table and fashion and the cars change every year and the, 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 the houses, the, the style of the house change and how they put things in the house more convenient for a family now. And all of this, and we yet won't give God nothing. What we give is us. I designed this. I made this. God gave you the ability and the mind to change it. But you don't see that. But it take me back to this scripture. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive the sins and heal the land. But we won't do that. Uh, now, it, it push come to shove and we have to go back out there in the bushes to live. We got to grow our own something to eat and maybe run through there and catch a wild turkey or something and kill birds in the tree and eat them and uh, look for the green herbs out there in the bushes to see what is not poisonous that we can eat. We get back there, nobody got nothing. You got to stop bartering for stuff. You know what bartering is? I got two cans of pork and beans and you got a half a chicken. I give you these two cans of pork and beans if you give me that half a chicken. Because I got two more cans of great northern beans in there. And a cup of rice. Y'all bartering. The green beans or pork and beans for the chicken. I need six eggs. You give me six eggs and I give you two cups of sugar. 
no money. We bartering. We exchanging things with each other. Now, maybe God take us back to them days. Maybe we'll humble ourselves and pray, seek his face, and turn from our wicked ways. But as long as he let us get a new dress and a new hairdo and put some nails on, uh, we can afford makeup. We driving better cars. We living in better homes. We paying car insurance and, and, and health insurance and uh, death insurance. And, you know, we got some things going on. We got cable TV. <laughs> we got the flat screen, you know, two or three of them in the house. Uh, we got iPhones and things. We, we, we're not going to stop. We're going to keep getting something better, we think. But until we go back and humble ourselves and pray, and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. Then we're going to hear from heaven. God going to forgive the sins of America and heal America. Every preacher should be crying out loud with this to try and get as many people to understand. Let's come to God and repent. Show The people should be saying, show me the error of my ways. Show me what I've been doing wrong, God. I promise it's not about us. He loves us. And he needs workers. And if you work for him, he won't owe no man. But many of us, we can't see this. We see what the world sees. We're looking out there looking at what the world got going on, and we want some of it. We want a mega church. I don't. Mm -mm. Bring them spirits my way. Keep I like small so you know what's going on behind the scenes. Somebody going to tell it out there. You hear what I say? Somebody going to tell what's going on. Uh, did y'all see uh, Barbara over there at the so-and-so? Uh-huh. And then sometimes people know, well, she wide open. She, she'll tell it herself. What? Show real? I think they call that transparency. So you can see through it. Clear. But we must humble ourselves. I don't care if you're not a preacher. I don't care if you don't know what your office is or what he called you to serve in. Humble ourselves and pray. Seek his face. Turn from our wicked ways. Not only do I want America here, I want to be healed. I want to live in a country that's healed. I don't want to have to question the leadership of the country. I want to know that they're going back to God and they believe. And whatever we need, God is going to supply. I don't want to bluff that America is one of the baddest countries. Powerful. I don't want to bluff that. I want it to be that. Because I'm going to be protected. I want our armies to be protected. Men and women go off from home, leave children, families, mamas, everybody, go serve for us. They should be rewarded. If they come home sick, if they come home hurt, if they just want a house as big as America is, you mean to tell me you can, just like you ported them uh, off somewhere, 
Iraq, Iran, wherever, Vietnam back in the day, wherever you sent them, Korea, wherever. Just like you can do that. You can. It, I, I'm from Florida, but look here, uh, uh, Barbara, you serve your country, but the house I have for you is in Washington, Washington, D.C. Now, if you want the free house, you have to move to Washington, and we'll move you there. You can come back to Florida and visit any time you get ready, but the house we have for you is in D.C. Uh, look here, Tom. You done finished your tour. We have a house for you now, Tom. We know that, Tom. We, we know you're from that cold state of New York. But the house we have for you is over there in Georgia, Augusta, Georgia. Now, if you want the house, Tom, come on to Augusta. It's yours free, and we'll move all your stuff to Augusta. Matter of fact, we'll help you set up to get a job. These people went to serve their country. They went to do what we wasn't doing. They were telling that draft in me, I'd have been so scared, I'd have been shaking in my boots. Lord, you didn't call me to fight. I'm not David. God help me today. Many of us would have. And he didn't give us the spirit of fear. He gave us power, love, and a sound mind. But he didn't call me to war. He didn't call me to be that type soldier. I'm a soldier. But it is truly in the army of the Lord. Good morning, Apostle. God bless you this morning. Yeah, we soldiers. But we, we soldiers in the army of the Lord. And we fight. But we fight in a different kind of battle. But what is happening in America? Why won't the people turn to God? What's wrong with them? I, I, I heard Michael Epps say this. He said, no matter how much money you get, you can only buy so much. Now, that's what Mike said. Mike said, after you get all the houses and the family stuff that need to be taken care of, you get all the shoes and all the clothes you want and your house decorated the way you want. And what else is it? That's what Mike said. But people don't understand. People like power, prestige. And before they give God his just due, they'd rather not. <clears throat> because they're constantly fighting to get their own power. But I'm here to remind everybody this morning, without God, you can't do nothing. All the folks that you see doing this and that and that, God allowed that. The enemy may have given it to him, but God allowed it. If he saw what he didn't want it, he never would have let it went on. He's got all power. There's no higher power. So Woodstock bought the festivals and the music and the art and the this and the that. 50 years ago, not everything has changed. And continue to thrive to change. And all this change is no good. A lot of it is no good. I want to stay with where God put me. He told Eve what was going to happen to that woman after she tricked Adam with the, I'm going to say she tricked him, after she offered Adam the fruit. God knew, but when he come back, they told her. Adam told her, the woman you gave me offered this to me, and I did take it and eat it. God pronounced 
a judgment, really, of sinners on each one of them. And Eve, in pain, you're going to bear some children. And you're going to come subject to your husband. In other words, you're going to do what Adam said. You're going to take care of Adam, the house, and these children. And you're going to train your children in the way that they should go so that when they get old, Eve, they won't depart. And Adam is supposed to back you up. You shouldn't send your children to daycare if you're married. But see, like I said, they said that that thing come out, uh, it was 43% of 41% of premarital sex. It's in the 70s now. 70-something percent. Folks agree with this. I know a lot of church folks in there because we're fulfilling the lust of our flesh. We're not being holy because he's holy. We're not doing righteous because he's a righteous God. We're not praying to increase in faith and patience because he account my faith and patience as righteousness. Many don't know. Some know, but they forget, and then some don't forget. They don't care. That's not the way I'm living it, Barbara. Uh, it's my thing. I'm doing what I want to do. You got to come off of that. Now, other countries, they follow the American way. Oh, America doing that? I'm doing that too. They, they, they not consider prayer because prayer will fix it every time, over and over and over again. Prayer is what will fix it, but we don't want prayer. But we go back and look at Titus. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, and to be ready to every good work. And that's what the government should be doing, sending people out to do good works. Now, we, they, 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 they fighting with each other because I want it my way. No, I want it my way. And letting all these illegals in so that they can vote. How you vote illegal? This is not your country, but you get to vote. This is not your country, but you get to push veterans out who went and served the country. You get to push the American children out of their schools. What What is going on? Again, if my people, are we really praying for the right thing? What are we praying for? Are we really concerned about souls being saved? Are we really concerned about what God said in his word? He meant what he said, and he said what he meant. Are we sticking to that? Or because it looked the old-fashioned way, we done got away from it. Oh, that's old-fashioned. I'm going to stay in the way. It's not old-fashioned to me. Is that God just does not change, and neither does his word. His word going to be like this, but he's not changing it for us because it's 2024. He's not changing it for me because I don't went over there and let the lady uh, uh, press my hair and wrap it. Not, he's not changing because I, I got a new hairstyle. He's not changing because they got the jail nails now. Uh, they got a different style of shoe. He's not 
He's not changing because of any of that. Nothing to do with us. He's going to change. He was that way yesterday. He that way today. And he will be that way forevermore. So will his word. Well, we, we, we want to ignore some things. We can't. Go back to the old path and take a look around. Every now and then I go on back through Genesis, Exodus, all down through the Leviticus, all of that. For me, not for you. For me. Because he's coming back looking for me. I got to be ready when he comes. And simply because I came here 7 a.m. every morning, he sent me here. I obeyed. Okay, well and good, Barbara. But what about you? Are you living that what you teaching? Are you living that what you shouting out here to these people? Are you living it? Because uh, you got to live this thing. It can't be talk. We got to live it. I heard them clock sisters say, is my living in vain? I don't want mine to be in vain. When I stand before him, I want to be able to carry people and say, God, these are they. <laughs> you told me whatever, whatever. Even them folks I take food to, hey, hey, hey God, these are the folks you told me to go feed. That group over there, that's that group I paid, you know. Huh? Yeah. I ain't talking about what the politicians talking about. I ain't talking about if he win the election, this going, because I don't care who wins, Jehovah is still God, and he won't change. And he made promises to us. And he's not a promise-breaking God. He said we was the head. He didn't say who, uh, no matter, I mean, he didn't say, well, if Mr. Trump wins, you're going to be the head and not the tail. Uh, if the other president wins, you're going to be the head. And Now, he said without any of that being in consideration in my book, he said that we're the head and not the tail. Because my book don't matter. Did you know that? Well, uh, 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 uh. What I wrote down in it, what I thought, that don't matter. His word hold true. He said, we're the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. No weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can look to the hills from which cometh our help. All of our help comes from the Lord. He made the heavens and the earth. I'm holding on to the word of God. I'm walking in his way. And I pray daily to walk in his way. Not my own. And Lord, any shortcomings I'm having, any sin, Lord, help me to see it so I can cut it out. I can trust you with my whole heart and lean not to my own understanding. And all of these issues or whatever I feel, you're going to direct my path. You'll show me what scripture to go to that'll cut this out from the root. You'll show me what prayer to pray that'll stop this in its tracks. I'm telling you the truth. He'll pray through my mouth for me. Uh, hey, yeah. Glory, hey, thank you, Jesus. So we in a country where we got every opportunity, we got it all to pray. And if we all touched and agreed in prayer, God going to answer. 
I'm not talking about, well, I'm a member of the Church of Christ. Well, I'm a member of the Church of God. Well, I'm Baptist. Well, I'm, you can be anything you want. Do you believe Jesus is the son of the true and living God and that he died for your sins? Do you believe that? Let's get together. And let's don't try to outpray one another to show who can pray the greatest prayer. He's sitting there. He's not thinking about that. He wants it from your heart, a sincere heart. He wants you to pray for the lost. He wants you to lift him up so he can draw. Because unless he draws, they can't come. What's happening in America? When I saw all of this crazy stuff and heard about a lot of it, I said, Lord, have mercy. What? Because it shows you the mentality and the mind of the people, even the leadership. It shows you. I'm seeing people with colorful tattoos up their neck, all on the side of their face, down their arm, their body is just covered in tats. Up they lay. Because people don't want to be people. They don't want to be who God made them because they won't come to God and let him make them over. You come out your mama womb one way, but you must be born again. And God can do it for you. But we refuse to go get it done. Yeah. And it's all right today in Jesus' name that we teach and preach the truth, that we cry loud and spare not. Yeah, it's all right today. God is, yeah, on our side in spite of us, and he's fixing us daily. Hallelujah. Let's go to this one, and when we come back, the studio is open.
spreading the love worldwide. www.jesusinthemorningradio.com Hallelujah, hallelujah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I remember that song like that song. Nice and clear back in the day. And uh, faith in his arms. And that's where we want to be, in the arms of Jesus. We want to be covered in the blood of Jesus. We want to run in because we're righteous and be saved by him. We don't want to just be out here. I go, I go places that I need to go, that I have to go. And every now and then I might take a little drive somewhere, you know, to get me some sunshine. But for the most part, if I'm not out working, I'm in the house. Yeah. One reason being is this, I want to be saved. So much is going on out here now. And I'm not afraid now. I don't, I don't think I'm afraid to be out there, but I just know. And if God show you something, believe it and don't forget it, okay? If he come back and said, okay, that's over with, that's fine. But if he show you something, you stick with it until he tell you it's different. Hallelujah, hallelujah. They got so many uh, things coming out now and uh, with all the illegal people, uh, we never know. We never know. So we want to be watching as well as praying and we want to be cautious and careful and that kind of thing. No paranoid. I'm not paranoid because I trust God. Yeah, I bless him, I thank him, but if he show you something, it is what he showed you. Yeah, and it's all right today. In Jesus' name, listen, the studio is open. If there's someone has something they would like to say this morning, please feel free and press that number one and come in. You might want to talk about what's happening in America, what you heard or what you see uh, that's going on and uh, what you think we should do. Pray. What, what, what else we should do? Uh, study the word. What else we should do? Stand on it. Believe. Whatever you want to say this morning. And it may not uh, come to that. You just may want to share what you saw or what you heard. Yeah, and you believe this is true. So feel free again this morning to press that number one and come in. If not now, if not, I'll go to a um, a testimony. And I share a testimony this morning. And I have one. I call it the Christian girl testimony. So I'm going to this one. And uh, after the testimony, we're going to pray out today. My dad and my in my home, he started getting confused about other religions. When I was around the age 15, 16 years old, he came home one day with an astrology book. He started opening up this book and telling me, you know, this is what astrology says about your personality and you were born this way. And, and I didn't really understand that what he was doing was false. The religions that he was believing in were false. And so I became an astrologer and I called myself a Christian. I remember driving home from college because I would commute and I would drive home every day and I would remember driving, you know, on the on the highway and thinking I wouldn't even care if a car just crashed into me right now and just killed me. I wouldn't even care. I have no will to live. And then around springtime, uh, we had a family friend and she just looked at me and she said, God told me today is the day of your freedom and we're going to pray and God is going to break that depression and that death and the sadness off of you. So I grew up in a Christian home. My my parents were very religious and not in a negative way, in a, in a great way. We went to Bible-based 
amazing churches with sound doctrine. Um, I grew up in kids' church learning all about Jesus, and I believed in him. At the age of five, um, my mom explained the gospel to me, and she asked me, do you want to invite Jesus into your heart? And I said yes, and I asked him to be my Lord and Savior, to live inside of my heart, and I wanted to follow him even though I didn't know how. I just I heard the story, and I believed, and I loved him. And and so I grew up going to church my whole life, but I never actually encountered God. You know, they, they always would take the little kids away into their own little room, and, and sometimes they would dumb things down. Um, and I didn't really get to experience the awesome revival services that my parents were in sometimes growing up. And so I never knew what God's presence felt like. I just had the head knowledge, and I knew Noah's Ark, and I knew about Moses, and I knew just the Bible stories, and that was it. That was my whole idea and understanding of Christianity until I was about 13 or 14 years old. Um, but my home was very stable. Um, my father worked a lot, but he was present. My mom was always there with us. Um, my grandparents were there. It was a it was a really amazing childhood. We didn't have, you know, any kind of lack. And so I, I just kind of grew up in a bubble, and it was really great. And around the time when I got into my teenage years, starting middle school and then going into high school, then things just started to change. I wasn't really in a bubble anymore. I was in school. I was around peers. I was, I was exposed to all kinds of different things, like books and movies and culture, pop culture really negatively impacted my life, just getting exposed to things that were not safe or just bad in nature, sinful in nature. And so around the time of 13 years old, um, I just started reading a lot of magazines, watching a lot of shows, like most middle school girls kind of getting introduced into pop culture. And I saw that I didn't look like the girls around me. I didn't look like the models. I didn't look like my favorite singers. And so I started to really internalize self-hatred and I hated the way I looked. And every time I would go into the mirror, I would start picking apart the things about myself. And it didn't help that I grew up in the South in a community that was not very diverse. And so there was nobody around me that looked like me. And that caused me to hate my appearance um, and be ashamed of my background, my ethnicity, the way I looked, my curly hair, my tan skin, just things like that. I developed an eating disorder, um, and I just started to starve myself. No one had to tell me how to do it. No one had to show me. I didn't see it. Like, it just, I just started internalizing that self-hatred and starving myself. Um, and so during that time, around 13 years old, I had just been taken out of public school, and I was put into an all-girls private school. Um, and so we started going to youth group, me and my cousin, uh, because we wanted to meet boys. And my parents, that was the only place we would go and hang out, and it was so silly looking back. But God actually did use that to actually show me who he who he is. And so we started going to church, we started going to youth group, and we would go to socialize and have fun. But then we would hear amazing preaching, and I actually started to learn about the real Jesus who's active today, who's alive today, who's not just from the stories, but actually doing miracles today. And so I think it was around January, February, one winter in my freshman year of high school, the 13, 14, around this time, uh, they took us to a conference called Acquire the Fire. And we were worshiping, we were listening to great preaching, and they were really hammering in the love of God, the miracle working power of Jesus. And I was hearing testimonies during this time of how Jesus showed up for other people. And I remember being in the worship session and I lifted my hands and I just, I just 
spoke to the Lord in my own heart. And I said, God, you know, if you, if you love me and you do miracles and you're freeing these people, I just told him, take away this eating disorder. I don't want it anymore. I didn't know anything about miracles. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I just gave him permission and I asked. I opened the door to that dark thing that I had been hiding. And it felt like bricks and weights got lifted off of me in that instant and the eating disorder was gone. And I didn't understand what happened, but I just knew that I met Jesus and that he touched me. So I get emotional. That was my first encounter with him. And so after that, my life just changed so much. He was real, you know. It wasn't like a religious thing that I that I learned about. And so after that, I was so on fire for God. Um, I was so excited to go to church. It was just my life got turned upside down. So after that, I decided that I wanted to get water baptized. Growing up, my mom never let me get water baptized. She always said that it was going to be a personal decision that you made when you were ready. And so after that, I knew I was like, okay, I'm going to get water baptized. Um, I'm so in love with Jesus. And so I waited about six months. That was when my church was going to do baptisms. Um, and so it was the following uh, fall. We did the water baptism, and it was great. It was amazing. And uh, after that, I went home, and my mom and my grandma and one of our dear family friends, uh, they all came over, and they just prayed on me to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they explained to me what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. Laid, you know, They laid hands on me, prayed that God would fill me and just um, consume me with, with the Holy Spirit and with his fire. And it was the most amazing experience that I had ever encountered in my life. It was so intense. It was just the tangible presence of God filled me, poured out on me, and I began to speak in tongues. And the way that I describe it is like the Wizard of Oz movie in the beginning where everything is black and white and then the tornado and then she lands in Oz and everything was in color after that. And that's how I felt after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I could hear God's voice. I was so full of life. I was so full of joy. I had peace. It was literally like I had just been going through the motions and I didn't even realize it. And then God poured out his spirit upon me. And it was just life like I had never known, abundant life, like like Jesus talked about. He said, I came to give you life and life abundantly. And that was the first time I experienced abundant life was when he he filled me with his Holy Spirit. After that, I was on fire for God. I would I would just read my Bible in the morning from riding in the car to school, you know, in between classes. I'd like try to sneak it into classes and like read. I was just so hungry for God. I would see kids in school with like arm braces or casts on and I would stop them in the hallway and be like, can I pray for you? And teachers would come up to me and ask me for prayer. Like I was known in school as like the Jesus freak girl and I didn't care. I was so on fire and so unashamed. And so when that started happening, obviously it made the enemy, the devil really mad. So around that time where I'm discovering who Jesus is and I'm so on fire, um, my dad in my, in my home, he started getting confused about other religions. Um, he grew up Muslim and then he became a Christian. And then around this time, he started dabbling in universalism. And so he would, you know, look for truth in Christianity, in Hinduism, in Buddhism, in Islam. And he would always say things like there's multiple paths to God, that there's not only one way. Jesus is a door. He's not the door. And so one day 
when I was around the age 15, 16 years old, um, he came home one day with an astrology book. He just immediately kind of came over to me and was, I don't know why me, you know, but he started opening up this book and telling me, you know, this is what astrology says about your personality and you were born this way. And everything he was reading was like, wait, that's kind of true. And then I was like, wait, and I asked him, I was like, how can all of these things be true if God created me and my personality? And he just told me that astrology was a system that God created. So all of the different 12 zodiac signs and all the personalities, it was a system that he made to just bring order in the creation that he made. And my dad is very smart. I trusted him and I didn't really understand that what he was doing was was false. The religions that he was believing in were false. And so I it sounded good to me. It sounded logical. And so I believed that. And I became obsessed with astrology after that. And I didn't know because I had really just become a Christian. I didn't know that there were Bible verses that talked about how astrology is sinful, that it's a false belief. It's demonic. It's not of God. Um, and so I just was really ignorant. And that's the thing that I, I learned through my testimony is the devil doesn't care if you're ignorant. He doesn't care if you have good intentions. But once we open a door to sin, that opens the door to sin and confusion can come in, dark things can come in. And that's what happened to me. And so I was on fire for God. I was praying for people. I was leading my classmates to Jesus. And then I started practicing astrology, which is new age, which is witchcraft, which is divination, which is fortune telling, right? All of these things, it's like a rabbit trail and it all leads down the path to another. And that's what I was experiencing. So I never really saw a life of miracles and amazing things like maybe my friends had or my pastors had or even the Bible stories because once I started dabbling with those things, I still loved God, but I I wasn't seeing his power show up like like I did in the Bible or like I do right now in my life. And I didn't know why I was so new in the faith. And so after that, I started taking yoga class at school. Um, I thought that it was going to be nice and relaxing and I wouldn't have to like be sweaty and run around in gym class. I was like, oh, it's way more sophisticated and it's relaxing. And so I was really excited. And I remember the first day I went into yoga class, we had a teacher who she had professionally studied and she would do like Hindu chants over us while we would do the poses. And she was really teaching us about the spirituality of yoga. And she didn't explain it like Hinduism, like paganism, she would just really break it down into breathing and peace and relaxing. And so I was doing these things and I was praying and I was taking the deep breaths and doing the poses and, and she was chanting in, in, I guess, Hindi. I don't know. I don't know the language, but chanting in the different languages over us while we would do these rituals. I felt so peaceful. It was like, it wasn't the same peace that I felt when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. It wasn't the same. It was like a different kind of peace, but it felt good. And so I thought it was good. And so I would get excited every day to go to yoga class. I would look forward to it. My mind would just go into this. It almost felt like a different dimension. And I would experience all of these really, really good feelings. And when she would chant in the different languages, it made me feel weird. And I was like, well... I don't like that. It makes me uncomfortable. So when she chants, I'm just going to pray. And I thought that 
that would keep anything weird away from me. I didn't understand that I was putting myself in that environment and I was opening myself up to the different things that, that the different spirits that um, people worship in yoga. I didn't understand that's what I was putting myself in. And so I should have known by that check, that weird feeling, that conviction that God gave me, like, hey, this isn't from me, but I was ignorant still. And so I did yoga. I didn't really think that much of it. And I continued with astrology, and it totally consumed my life. It became my worldview. The Bible wasn't my foundation for life. Astrology was. It was like two worldviews that I thought could just coexist together, and I didn't think they overlapped. I didn't think they contradicted each other. And so I became an astrologer, and I called myself a Christian. And so I lived this way, and then I graduated high school and everything like that, going to church, loving God while being an astrologer. And Now, Taylor, did you feel like your relationship with God kind of suffered at all while you were practicing astrology? Or can you tell me a little bit of what that was like, more like on the Christian side? Yeah. When I was in high school, I it didn't really get too crazy. I kind of stayed at this plateau of like, I believed I was good. Sometimes things would happen to me, but it was almost like now I look back and I'm like, maybe the Lord was really protecting me because once I got into college, that's when things started getting really ugly with astrology. Um, And so I kind of was at this plateau and then I graduated high school. I had this opportunity to pursue Christian music, which was my dream. And honestly, I got approached and the deal just wasn't very good, but to a 17, 18 year old, you're really excited and you're like, this is my moment I've been praying for. And, you know, looking at contracts and looking at the deals, my parents were like, you know what, we don't think that this is the best deal. We don't think that this is God's timing right now. We don't think this is the door. And the enemy just started just bombarding my mind with thoughts like, God doesn't really love you. Your parents don't love you. This is an amazing opportunity. And God and your parents are just shutting it down and they don't want you to succeed. And I started getting really emotional and depressed, very, I felt betrayed and I was believing the lies of the enemy that he was telling me. And and I think that's where my foundation was faulty because I had let in the astrology and the yoga and I just didn't have this super firm foundation on Jesus. There were some fault lines and some cracks and some potholes that shouldn't have been there because I was practicing the new age. The Bible says that rebellion, and in 1 Samuel 15, it says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And that's what I started to see happen. I, I stopped trusting God, and I stopped trusting my parents, and I didn't believe that they had good things planned for me anymore. And so I started to just let rebellion into my heart. I wanted to be in the driver's seat of my life. I didn't trust God and my parents to be in the driver's seat because they weren't doing what was best for me. That's what I thought at the time. And so around this time, I'm starting college. And the friends that I made were really big into partying. They were really big into drinking, um, smoking weed, and they just weren't Christian. And so that's who I started hanging out with. And at first, I was like, you know what? I know drinking is wrong, you know, getting drunk. I'm not even 21 yet. I'm not, this isn't even allowed. I'm just going to be good and I'm just going to hang out with them every week and I'm not going to partake in that. That lasted for maybe three weeks and then I was, I just saw how much fun they were having. They were getting drunk. Every party we went to, every activity we did, they were drinking, they were pre-gaming, they were partying and they just looked like they were having so much more fun. 
And so at this point, I'm so disappointed in God. I'm disappointed in my parents and I'm still doing astrology. And uh, I just start partying and drinking, getting drunk with my friends pretty much every weekend from the beginning of freshman year, which was September to December. As my appetite for partying and witchcraft and the more I rebelled as that grew, um, my desire for witchcraft and astrology started to grow too. And so at this point, I'm flat out rejecting the Bible. I'm rejecting Jesus because I was backsliding. I was pitching a fit. I was mad that he didn't do what I wanted him to do when I wanted him to do it, that my prayers didn't get answered, that I wasn't seeing what I wanted. And so I thought, and it was immaturity, that I'm not going to serve you anymore. I don't want anything to do with you. I need to figure out my own spirituality because I know what's best for me. That's what was going through my head. Little by little, I started doing more yoga, more meditation, trying to see auras, trying to open my third eye, ordering crystals, trying to attract things to myself. All throughout this time, during high school and college, I was also just totally in love, obsessed with this guy who was not for me. And so the relationship was very up and down. It was very confusing. And so that was another area of my life where I had a lot of pain and I didn't trust God. And so I started to turn to the the false spirituality, to the new age, to try to figure out if this guy was worth my time. I would look at um, astrology charts, like divination charts, and pretty much you put in your information and it shows you it's all of this crazy symbols and you had to get all these books and, and basically it's a chart, a map of your life. And so I was doing these fortune telling charts, these astrology charts, trying to figure out who who's my husband going to be because I didn't trust God for relationships. I didn't trust God for my calling. I didn't trust God for the plan. So I would turn to astrology and I would look at all of the placements of the planets and the time I was born. And I would try to decode and uncover how my life was going to unfold because I didn't have anyone to put my hope and my trust in for my future. And that really scared me. And I remember I would call psychics and my my mom would tell me growing up that you know psychics and Ouija boards and fortune tellers that those those people get their powers from the devil from demons they don't get their power from God and so I knew it but I was in this place of I didn't want God I didn't trust him and so I remember I would like dial psychic hotline numbers and the phone would be ringing and then the fear of the Lord, the whole, I don't know what it was, but something would come over me and I would get terrified and I would hang up the phone before they could even answer. And I would, I lived like this for almost two years in college where I was doing these things and I knew they were wrong, but I didn't trust God. And I was acting out of frustration and acting out of rebellion. And I just remember waking up winter break of my freshman year of college. I was 18 and I just woke up and it and the partying wasn't fun anymore the drinking wasn't fun anymore all the different guys that I was dating and trying to find happiness and those things weren't making me happy and it was like the this awesome fun great picture that the enemy painted and I I believed it and I just woke up one morning and it was like the rug got pulled out from underneath me and it just wasn't fun anymore the mask came off I don't know how else to describe it And I just felt this overwhelming depression and not suicidal thoughts, but just not wanting to live anymore. 
I didn't plan out, you know, I'm going to take my life, but I remember driving home from college because I would commute and I would drive home every day and I would remember driving, you know, on the on the highway and thinking I wouldn't even care if uh, a car just crashed into me right now and just killed me. I wouldn't even care. I have no will to live. That was probably the lowest that I was. And I remember I would come home and I would cry and I would beg my mom to take me to therapy. I would beg her to put me on medication because I would just cry for probably like two hours every day for no reason. I was severely depressed. And a part of that was because even though I was I was dabbling with astrology before in high school, I still loved Jesus. I was still going to church. I still knew what his presence felt like. And now at this point, I totally pushed him away and I didn't have that love. I didn't have his presence anymore. And that is the worst thing that you could ever feel and experience is having God and then rejecting him. And then you're just full of your own emptiness and sorrow. I was desperate for any kind of help, but I I didn't want to hear that I needed Jesus. I wasn't ready. I was still angry. I was still backsliding. I remember this just darkness would come over me. Now I know that it was demons, but this darkness would come over me and I would write things in my journal that it wasn't even from me. I was, there were like demonic spirits, demons that were just in my mind lashing out. I don't know a better way to explain it. And I would write things in my journal like to God saying like, I hate you. You don't love me. Why did you turn your back on me? And these unclean spirits would literally manifest through me. That was the darkest point for me. I remember asking my mom to take me to some kind of therapy. And she said, Taylor, your problem is spiritual. I've seen what's been happening with you. God has been showing me what's going on with you. And she said, if I take you to a therapist, if I put you on medicine, it's not going to fix it. She would always say, we don't, if you break your foot, you don't take Advil to heal the broken foot. It will just numb the pain. And she knew that my problem was spiritual and putting a Band-Aid on it, like taking a medication, wasn't going to fix the spiritual issue that was broken in me. It would only numb the pain. And so she said, no. She said, you need to go to church. And that would just trigger me. It would trigger the demons in me. And I would just cry and yell at her and just totally, just totally lash out. I was this way, you know, winter, January, February, March. And then around springtime, uh, we had a family friend who She's just a mighty woman of God. She hears from the Lord. My grandma, my mom, and this woman of God, her name was Sandra, they had been praying for me the whole year. They saw how I was backsliding. They saw what I was getting into, and they never stopped praying and warfaring for me. One day, Sandra was at our house, and she just looked at me, and she said, you know, I'm at your house today. And I was like, I don't know, sometimes, you know, you come over, and she was like, God told me today is the day of your freedom, and we're going to pray, and God is going to break that depression and that death and the sadness off of you. And at that point, I just had no fight in me left. I was tired of resisting God because I was so beaten down by my sin, by the depression, by the the lack of the will to live. I was so beaten down. I, I just said, okay. And so we went into my room and she prayed over me and she 
commanded the spirit of depression, the demonic spirit of depression, to come out in the name of Jesus and the spirit of death to come out in the name of Jesus. And all of the heavy things and all of the pain and all of the sadness and sorrow that I had been living in, um, she commanded them out in Jesus' name. And we were praying. We were pressing in. I was I was allowing it to happen. I was inviting Jesus back into my life again. And he delivered me. He set me free from that. And the depression and the heaviness and the death, it just lifted off of me, kind of like when I was, 14 and I asked Jesus to take the eating disorder and he lifted it off of me and that weight was gone. It was, it was pretty similar to that. And after that day, I never had depression ever again in my life. It never once came back. The death, the, the thoughts about not wanting to live anymore never came back. This is now over, over six years ago. Never once has it come back. And so after that, I started going to church again, you know, and all during this time, too, I, I, I don't want to skip over this. I did not have a good relationship with my father. There was a lot of fighting in our home. There was a lot of disagreements. There was a lot of pain there in my heart. And so while all this stuff is going on, I did have a, a really unstable, verbally bad relationship with my dad where we just didn't get along and we were mean to each other and there wasn't respect and honor in my home. Um, I was just, we were both just rude to each other all the time. And so that obviously made me feel unloved and like I had a void in my heart for for the father that I longed for. After I got free from the depression, I still didn't know that new age, that the crystals and the astrology and the yoga, I still didn't know that that was sin, that the Bible said to stay away from those things, that those things let demonic spirits into your life. And so I continued being an astrologer all during that time. Um, And so Again, I'm in this unstable situation with this guy where, you know, he wants to date me, he doesn't want to, and I'm like, God, is this my husband? Is it not? And there's so much confusion in my relationships, just a lack of love in the home. And then there was also confusion about spirituality. So I am back in church, but I wasn't fully set free. I wasn't walking in freedom, um, but God had started the rescue process for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so grateful for that. And so I, I lived this way for about another year. And so I'm getting into my, my sophomore and my junior year of college around this time. I'm, I'm around 19 to 20 years old um, during this following year. During this time, yeah, I'm, I'm still looking to the new age. I'm looking to the crystals to try to attract love and blessings and good luck. I'm trying to look at my divination charts and my horoscope charts to figure out who I'm going to marry and is this the right person for me, I still didn't trust God with my future, if I'm being honest about it. And so I remember the day that God opened my eyes to astrology not being from him. I was sitting on my bed. I was doing my, my fortune-telling chart. My It's called a birth chart. It said that I was prone to head trauma and head tumors and certain kinds of cancers. It said that I was going to get a divorce. It said all of these horrible curses for my life. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit just opened my eyes. The light bulb came on and I said, there's no way this is from God. There's just no way. I I knew him at that point. I, I, I knew he was good. I knew that he loved me. I knew he'd never turn his back on me. I knew he healed me from depression. After that, my, my mom, not very long after, my mom calls me and she said, Taylor, I was, I was just, I don't know what she was doing. She was just on the internet. I don't know what. And she said, I came across this 
prayer to break off astrology. And she said, the weirdest thing happened. She said, I pray this prayer over myself. I, I renounce, like I, I came out of agreement with my zodiac sign, this, this, this thing that I just, this identity that I thought I was. And she said, my back got healed. I always had pain in my back. And after I prayed and I broke it off and I said, I don't want this in my life, my neck and my back got healed. And she's like, I felt so much better. And I said, I need to do that. And so I prayed and I, this was right after I, I realized that it was wrong. And I prayed, I, I renounced all of that. I didn't want it anymore. And I just prayed and I, I repented before God. I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I, for being an astrologer for all of those years, I didn't know that what I was doing was wrong. I didn't know that I was letting all of these curses into my life. I didn't know that I was, I was coming into agreement with a false identity. And that's the thing about astrology. Like, it would tell me that I was bold and I was outgoing and I was confident, but then it would say that I was, I had explosive anger and that I was impatient and that I was selfish. And so it was, they, it was like, it lured me in with these good, shiny things that made me feel understood and like, oh, that's my personality. That's so me. This is what's going to happen. Wow. I just understand myself and I understand life. And then it had all of these curses and divorce and negative things that it was also spewing onto me. And I can't just take one and not the other. You, you, when you come into agreement, I was coming into agreement with all of it until finally God opened my eyes. And I was so grateful. And then I just started finding Derek Prince sermons and learning more about, um, you know, divination and fortune telling and everything just started making sense. And I was like, whoa, the crystals and the horoscopes and the yoga. It was like God just started putting all of the resources I needed to learn in front of me. And I started to just get more and more set free. And I was realizing I was doing witchcraft for all of these years while I was saying that I was a Christian and believing in God out of my own ignorance. That doesn't excuse it. And I was like, I was a Christian witch. Like if I wanted to put labels on myself and I had no idea, I mean, that's not even a thing, but I was doing both, you know? And so I do want to make that clear. You can't be a Christian witch and you shouldn't be. Um, that was just the confusion that was going on in my mind. I just started to get more and more set free. You know, I would pray and I would repent. God, I'm so sorry. I opened the door to yoga and I would feel I would feel demons leave me. I I don't know how else to explain it. I would feel the peace of God come over me. I would see so much healing and freedom and breakthrough. I had anxiety during that year where I was backsliding and I was going to church, but I was doing new age. I was so heartbroken because that relationship um, that I was talking about, that up and down relationship, it didn't work out. And so around that time, my friends were smoking weed and I said, well, I'm just so empty and I'm so heartbroken. Just I'll smoke with you and that'll numb the pain. And, and I started getting panic attacks and anxiety attacks when I started smoking. And so, you know, and then I, I give my life to the Lord and I'm starting to realize my eyes are opening about these things. And, um, and I'm realizing like, I can't do this anymore. This isn't right. The Bible says to be sober minded and I'm having these anxiety attacks. And so then I go back to my, my mom, my mentors, I say, Hey, pray for me. And so it was kind of like this process of like peeling an onion because I had opened myself up to so much new age witchcraft that it was like everything that I opened up the doors to God had to correct me and then pray and then break these things off. And so that process really started when, honestly, I was just on my bed one night and I was tired of the back and forth. I was tired of 
smoking and then going to church and I was tired of looking at the astrology charts and, you know, this was right before God opened my eyes to that. And I, I was listening to a sermon about giving everything to God, every last area of your heart, no place hidden, nothing, no secret sin in the back corner. It was like, give everything to Jesus. And I just knew that's what I had to do. And so I broke off, you know, ungodly dating relationships. I, I stopped smoking. I stopped partying. I, I stopped everything that night. And I said, I'm tired of this tightrope. I'm tired of the back and forth. I know what's right and I know what's wrong. And I don't want to live like this anymore because it was torment for me to know what was right and then to be sucked back into um, living in sin and living in filth. And so I couldn't take it anymore. So I fully surrendered. And so after that surrender was when, oh, my gosh, astrology is wrong. Oh, my gosh, I need to throw these crystals away. Oh, my gosh, okay, I can't smoke anymore. I have anxiety from smoking. I need to ask God to to deliver me from this anxiety. And I would have panic attacks every day. And they were so crippling and so debilitating. And it only started when I started smoking weed. And so I went to my mom and I said, Mom, I was doing astrology. I was smoking. I was I had the crystals. I told her everything. And I said, I stopped doing all of that. But these panic attacks won't go away. I think I let in a spirit of anxiety when I started smoking. And she said, okay, we'll just cast it out in Jesus' name because that's what the Bible tells us to do. And so we prayed and she commanded that spirit of anxiety to come up and out in Jesus' name. And it did. And I never had another panic attack or an anxiety attack or, or anxiety period ever again. You know, if you get nervous, that's one thing. But that anxiety, what I felt, that never came back. And I'm so grateful. So, you know, when I think about everything Jesus did for me, the big things that stick out was he healed me from depression. He set me free from depression and eating disorder, anxiety, thoughts of death and not wanting to live. He set me free from being an astrologer and living in witchcraft um, and thinking that that was okay. And so after that, it reminded me of the fire that I first felt when I first got set free and I first encountered Jesus and I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was so on fire, so in love with him. All I wanted to do was tell people about what Jesus did for me. And so after I left all of that torment and torture and the darkness that I was living in for those two years when I backslid, I was like, I have to tell everybody about Jesus. I started sharing my testimony, you know, not long after that COVID happened. Um, and Everyone was in lockdown and I start scrolling on TikTok and I see people talking about, you know, this is a spell you can do and this is astrology and these are the crystals. And I'm seeing now the, the darkness that I was in, the witchcraft that I was in, taking over Gen Z. That's my generation, like taking over everything on social media. I, I can't scroll like five minutes without seeing witchcraft just going viral on TikTok. And so I said, you know what, if this is going viral, I need to share my testimony and I need to warn all of these younger, it was mostly girls. I need to warn all of these younger girls. They don't know what they're messing with and they're letting in so much darkness because I lived it. And so I started sharing my testimony and God just started blowing the videos up and they would get millions and millions of views. And I would talk about astrology is not of God. This is not okay. And all of these thousands of, of young people started writing in and saying, I, okay, I'm not an astrologer anymore. I threw out my tarot card decks. I threw away my crystals. I, I'm going out today and I'm buying my first Bible and I'm going to go to church for the first time. I just started seeing God move just by me sharing my testimony. And so if, you know, someone's watching that today and that's where you are, like, I pray that my story encourages you too, that you can be set free um, by the power and the mighty hand of Jesus. Amen.
Kayla, who is Jesus to you? Jesus is my best friend. First, there's no one in the world that I love more than him, that I want to be with more than him, that has loved me more than him. And of course, he's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's everything to me. Yeah. Radio, not just for your ears, but also for your spirit. Jesus in the morning radio. And you're with Barbara. Hallelujah. What a testimony. Wow. My goodness. I couldn't imagine going through such. But yeah, it's out there like that. All right, Sister Dot, are you ready? Let me get my question. Okay. I think she is ready. Good morning. God bless you. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. God bless you, too, and good morning to all the listeners. Amen. Amen. So, Sister Dot, what do you have for the first one? Uh, fill in the blank. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. The answer is breath, and I found it in Psalms chapter 150, verse 6. And so did I. I found that same one. Okay, and what does number two say? In which book of the Bible are these words written? Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, said said your Lord. Um, I found that in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. Yes, ma'am. Correct answer. Okay, and number three, in which book does the term uh, New Jerusalem appear? Is that what you have for number three? Yes. And okay. I, well, uh, New Jerusalem appeared twice in the New Testament, and I found it in Revelation 3.12 and Revelation 21.2. Okay. Mine just says Revelation 1. Hmm. But I'm going with what you said because that's about right, if I'm remembering correctly. It's in the book of Revelations, yeah. Okay, what you have for number four, Sister Dot? Um, where in Scripture do you find, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. And okay. I found that, let me give me my number four, uh, in the Song of Solomon, chapter one, verse two. Okay, same answer, same answer. Okay, and in verse number, I mean, in number five, what did you find? Uh, in which book of the Bible do we read I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. He is among the lilies. And I found that in Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 3. Yes, ma'am. Same answers. Same answers. So, yes, <clears throat> we good. We got all five done today right quick. And uh, later in the day, I put the other uh, Bible questions over in uh, Jesus in the morning 
on Facebook, the group. And so if you go over and take a look at the group, you'll find on the polls, or either you look down the page, you should find the questions, and it have like, um, it have like January 13th or, or Tuesday, January 13th Bible questions. And so under that, you see the list under the polls, you see one through five, the list of questions. Oh, I got to put this in there. Put this with the rest of because the book is it, it, getting a little thick, Sister Die. I like it. I like it. And uh, it's getting a little thick. Yeah. And this helped me to go back over some things, too, and uh, take a look. Yeah, because it's some, it's some things in there I didn't remember, uh, like how many times hotter than usual did Nebuchadnezzar order, order the furnace for Shadrach, Meshach, and the Abednego. I did not remember it was seven times hotter. I'm talking about four. And I said four, and then they come up seven. So I had to go take a look, you know, to get that answer to figure out that it was seven. So a lot of things, you know, it just help us to remember. And, um, you know, we're going back over some things and just quickly taking a look and uh, refreshing our memory on some stuff. And I'm grateful unto the Lord for his word. Yeah, because we need this. We need this and we need to study as often as possible and um, walk in that which we study, apply it to our everyday life because sometimes we we, we studying, but we studying for other people. Now I want to study for myself so I know uh, the right ways to go and pray and ask the Lord to help me to apply his word to obey it every day, and uh, I am good, and keep me in faith, and keep me believing God, and I know his word holds true, I've seen it come to pass too many times, yeah, his word came to pass, not mine now, but his, and so we're thankful unto him this morning, and uh, today I'm going to run over and uh, take some stuff to Sister Jerry. And I come back, and then I get those Bible questions in. And on February 16th, they changed the time to 2 o'clock. I'll be over in Ocala, Florida, uh, attending Brother Louis' uh, celebration ceremony. And uh, we had to wait on the military. So he'll be in Bush, I'll be in Bushnell at the military uh, cemetery over there, too. I tell Louis goodbye for the last time, yeah. And uh, after that, I come back. I have another uh, church service to attend that night. So I'll be coming back to attend that church service. And then uh, that Saturday, I'm going to give it some rest, y'all. I give it some rest. And I get up and work a little bit more on the birthday uh, church celebration because I'm going to have a church service for my birthday, instead of having a birthday party and dinner. So I'm going to have a church service, and afterwards we'll be serving dinner over in the dining room. Yeah, and birthday cake. Yay for birthday cake! <laughs> and so I just thank God, you know. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you, Sister Dot. I hope you can make it and uh, everything, because I know you'll enjoy it. I know you'll enjoy it. And uh, I asked my uh, grandsons to come, both musicians, and they told me they're going to try their best to make it. But their daddy 
got a Martin Luther King thing going on. I said, boy, y'all better tell him to let that go and get on down here. And so we're going to see uh, if they show up and if they, yeah. It'll just be beautiful, just beautiful. Uh, the bishop going to preach. Yes, goodness, that carpet kicker going to preach over <laughs> And so I'm looking forward to having a good time in the spirit of the Lord, yeah, for my birthday. I couldn't ask for a better gift. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So does anyone else have something they would like to say? If not, I will pray us out this morning, and we pray the Lord send us, will bring us back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. All right, Brother Jermaine, coming at you right now. Good morning. God bless you, sir. How are you? Oh, good morning, Sister Barbara. I'm doing very well today. Just uh, trying to get my my routine back in, get into the show as much as I can. Because, yeah. like I said, it's good when you go through things. Because God reminds you that you you need to come home and get into His Word. And just like you said, you, you got to study for yourself, not just for other people. Because that's yeah. that's our bread. It's the bread of life, and we got to eat it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So, you know, uh, I'm still praying on that situation, but I wanted to add something for uh, the intercessors and everybody else who, who's praying. But if uh, you could pray for two people specifically, one is named Lisette and the other one is named Elsie. And uh, I believe that God put one of them in my path since we last spoke and to advocate because I prayed for God, to please provide me with someone from my my uh, union to kind of step in and intercede, and okay. I think that uh, started to happen. So I'm just gonna pray for those two people, and, and I believe I'm gonna okay. have a testimony for you. What was the name of the first one, Brother Jermaine? The first one is Lisette. Okay, Lisette, I got you. That's probably okay. gonna be the decision maker, and then the other one's name is Elsie. Okay. Yeah, I got Elsie. All right. All right. We heard. We heard. And so we're going to carry this petition before the Lord and ask God to move um, in a mighty way for him on his behalf in this situation. And we know God is able. There he is. And uh, there's nothing too hard for him to do. And we believe he's on our side today in spite of us. Not only that. But guess what? We can cast our cares upon him, for he careth for us. His word holds true. And so this is what we're going to do. Cast our cares for Brother Jermaine to be blessed by Elsa and Lisette, uh, that he'll get the right response that he's looking for. He'll be blessed by this in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Good morning, Sister Irene. I, I, I saw you came on in. I saw you come on in. I said, well, she's probably tired and sleeping. But uh, she pressed her way on in. And uh, good morning again, Apostle Boatwright and Sister Dot. God bless you this morning. And I think I saw Sister Rita and Pastor David earlier. Yeah, but I know they work, you know, so they have to do a uh, uh, jingle and mingle and fix it and everything like Brother Anthony. You know, he has to fix it so he can hear or talk. So we thank God. But listen, let's pray. And again, we're praying that God bring us back. Tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We come before you with thanksgiving in our mouth. But, Lord, you've been good to us. You've been faithful to us. You're on our side today in spite of us. Father, you're looking beyond our faults and yet meeting our needs. Your word says that if you be for us, you're more than the whole world against us. And you're for us today. And, Father, we're casting our cares upon you because we know you care for us. We bring Brother Jermaine before you this morning, and we bring Lisette and Elsie before you. And, God, we ask that you would move upon these women and that, God, they would do what you would have them to do concerning Brother Jermaine. We bind up every evil and hindering and negative spirit that might even try and entertain their thoughts against him, oh God. But Lord, we bind it up and cast it to the pits of hell and we release your blessings and miracles and, and special favor, uncommon favor upon Brother Jermaine today in the name of Jesus. Bless his family, God. Move in a mighty way. Bless his children. Bless his wife. Family members near and far. God, you know what's best for them today as well. Move in a mighty way this day, February 12th. 2024 in Jesus' name. And Father, as we depart this morning, bless every caller and every listener, near and far, O oh God. Lord, those that are coming through the archives and the podcast, move in a mighty way today for these your people. Lord, give them more than they need today. You know what they're going through. You know what their family members and children are going through. God, I ask that you would move today. Bring peace, bring joy. Bring happiness like never before. And those that stand in the need of financial miracles, oh God, we ask that you would move, for there's nothing too hard for you to do. With man, it's impossible. But Father Jehovah, with you, all things are possible. Do it today, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Touch and heal those that are sick, those that don't feel good, those that has gotten doctor diagnosis and got it wasn't good. We ask that you would heal. For you that heal all manner of sickness and disease, do it today in the name of Jesus. And Father, bless our going out today, bless our coming in, and meet every need in our lives according to your riches and glory by your Son, Christ Jesus. And Father, we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. And anything that we left out today, Lord, we ask that you would take it up for us. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent, one from another. In the name of Jesus, go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessing of Almighty God upon you today, February 12th. 2024 in Jesus name. So at this time, I'm going to say bye-bye and we are going to find one more request of the morning. And after the request, I won't be coming back today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
by your side I can only imagine What my eyes will see When your face Is before me I can only imagine
Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.